0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Forty years at all, this is meritus Rex. I have chocolate in my mouth, I think that's why it sounds that way. Oh, but you know, nothing could be sweeter, though, than talking to you. That's nothing right.
1: could be sweeter than to be, Where does that go? Nothing could be finer. Yes. Nothing could be finer than to be in Caroline in the morning.
0: Yes. Although, you know, in Carolina, they're probably celebrating a little bit this morning because in their at their football games, they're going to be able to. um...
1: That's not what happened.
0: What? I didn't even I didn't even get one word out yet. What do you mean? That's not what happened. (laughs) You didn't even. Okay, I I was just trying to get them with a segue. You're the one who came in with the song that was disjointed. (laughs) You you should compliment me for being able to 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 catch all your errors and turn them into gold. You know,
1: there's a wonderful high school coach. The case you're referring to, Supreme uh, Court, you know, has been in the news a lot. Guns in the Second Amendment on the right to bear arms. Uh, the New York the case that uh, uh, they decided the abortion case, and uh, maybe for some it got lost in the shuffle. Was the a religious freedom case? A very interesting case. A uh, high school coach named Joseph Kennedy um, uh, in 2015 was dismissed by his uh, his school in the state of Washington, Bremerton, Washington, uh, because he uh, refused to uh, uh, stop praying after games. Uh, so he was fired in 2015. Uh, a lower court, an appeals court, all backed the school's decision, the Supreme Court, uh, said it was uh, an unconst- a violation of his constitutional rights, uh, two constitutional rights: freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And um, it doesn't. Shouldn't it be simple? I mean,
0: before you get into your pontification about it, uh, the, the the idea of firing him is because while he is a, I guess, a state employee being paid by the state, when he decides after the game to kneel in prayer and ask other players to kneel. He's...
1: He didn't ask other players to kneel. Oh, he
0: didn't. Okay.
1: That's the point. Okay.
0: But let's say, let's assume even he did that. So at that point he is getting, he's a paid employee. Oh, no, the game's over.
1: He's no longer a paid oh,
0: employee. That's my point. That, that's what I wanted to say. If, 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 you're not a paid employee. we we'll do never ever...
1: know for sure if that's what you actually wanted to say. Okay, that's... I'll sure for
0: it. Okay. Yes, you're in a feisty <laughs> mood. It's a good thing I've had my Cadbury. But it's a.
1: But again,
0: I, so I don't. I, I like to think about. You know, I'm we're armchair legalists here. Uh, you know, we 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 have Tom training. We like hearing what the issues are. Sometimes we scoff and laugh at it, uh, because we see how you know simplistic it is. But I'm just trying to think. Hmm, it, it, you know, what he was paid to do. Was to do the game right. The game's yeah. the game's over, and although technically he's still earning a paycheck, it's like okay, you know, let's say he would go to church across the street from the game.
1: So here's the point: I think everyone would agree that if before the game, right, he invited and encouraged uh, the players to kneel together in prayer uh, as part of the prep for the game, that would certainly be problematic, and even if it was voluntary. You could say it's problematic because there's an implicit pressure on players to conform to a coach's desire in order to curry goodwill with the guy who determines how much you're going to play. So you, you could make that argument that it's implicit pressure and all of that. They tried to make that argument with the post-game prayer. But again, there was no evidence that he had ever encouraged, invited or anything. After the game, It was a he had done it for seven years without incident. Right without incident, without complaint, nobody said anything. He was on the fifty-yard line, kneeling and praying briefly. Okay, and I, you know, then somebody complained, and then the school fired him, and or tried to get him to stop. The the school first said he should do it in private, and then he refused. Anyway, so uh, listen, religion state questions before the Supreme Court are not simple. Uh, For instance, uh, Christmas displays on Government property. I, I'm, and again, there's three kinds of property, the Supreme Court has, has has ruled about. There's private property, there's public land, and then there's government land. There's two different things. There's a public park, and there's the the lawn of City Hall. All right, those are two very separate things because public land doesn't necessarily uh, constitute or imply government support for religion. City land or government land does. So they make these distinctions, for instance, between a Christmas tree and a creche, that is that the Christmas tree is a secular uh, s- object. Uh, uh, the crash is obviously religious, so one's allowed and one's not. To some people, those distinctions seem silly. The court does you know, is, is at, but that's where the court drew the line. Weirdly, I don't know if you ever heard of this movement within Judaism. Uh, uh, the, the, yes, Chabad, I know where you're going. Yes. Uh, the Chabad movement, Ch- what's it called? Ch- Oh, I didn't know that. It's Chabad. Chabad <laughs> movement uh, tried uh, argued it in court that a menorah is a secular object, which was bizarre in the Seattle, Washington case, uh, in the airport in Seattle, I think it was, uh, where they wanted to put up a menorah, which is, again, violation of the dictates of Shulchan Aruch, which tells us that Persume Nisa is for the home today. And there's no Indian of pursuing... Right. Well,
0: you know, look, we talked about this... Uh, I don't right. recall talking
1: about it, okay? Right. You don't
0: recall what you talked about any time, you know? No, so, I do not like, recall. <laughs> yeah, One of the great, you, this
1: is the great things about getting old, everything is new again. Yeah, look, you know, you,
0: <laughs> you're like old faithful. Look, when the geyser <laughs> erupts, the geyser erupts. And whether it's the same lava that was spewed last time or not. <laughs>
1: but Anyway. But, but, but let's, case, yeah, let's talk about this case. And, and okay, I'm, but in this case, what happened is The guy was kneeling in prayer privately. I mean, I shouldn't say privately, publicly, but by himself without encouraging other players to join. Now, you could say, oh, he's a coach. It's right after the game. Implicitly, uh, players know that, you know, to be in his good graces, they should pray with him. But again, you know, that's a bit of a tenuous argument. And uh, and the the court ruled that he was allowed to pray. Uh, And they invoked both things, uh, you know, the freedom of speech or freedom of religion. The issue is in the First Amendment. It talks about the government shouldn't establish, and that's questionable. But again, this comes on the heels of the the Supreme Court decision in Maine, which said if you're going to give students vouchers or tuition grants, you can't prohibit them from using it at a religious institution, as long as the payments are are neutral, don't favor religion or disfavor religion. So uh, this Supreme Court is is more... uh, is more expansive in terms of religious freedom uh, and a little less concerned about separation. Why, why don't, kind of why do we contrast this
0: a little bit to the, uh, and, and neither of us were, you know, rabbis at that point, but we still remember, you know, the echoes of the school prayer decision in the mid 1960s. Right. Right. Where then I think the, the issues were uh, to actually before class began to have a moment of prayer, right? And, and um, to allow students of faith to be able to, before the classes began in the homeroom or whenever it was the first period, to be able to pray. And I think there you remind me, but I, I remember there was a lot of debate about that. Um,
1: Listen, the Jewish community in the United States traditionally has been very uh, strident in advocating for strict separation that uh, jewish children in school shouldn't feel stigmatized by not joining in prayer or being forced to pray uh you know where if you start with the lord's prayer or some christian prayer it obviously excludes And remember these decisions go back to the time when jews were you know certainly the most high profile religious minority in the us that's not the case anymore uh with the uh, increased diversity of religious communities in america but. Uh, there was a stigma attached uh uh you know to uh to, to the jew who didn't pray or, or or you know sat in class there were always these controversies in public schools about the christmas pageant that was being put on you know and whether you know uh, if that was appropriate uh if, for a school to have and you know having you know jewish kids either being forced to sit it out or play a role in it and and these are you know these are the kind of things you you know you, you read about it in novels written by Jewish authors in the mid to late 20th century about their experiences. Sure. And feeling and one even, way or another about it. And even, you know, in a
0: rabbinic sense, there were, I think, Rabbi Shiner from Pittsburgh, I believe, yeah. who was a Rosh Hashiva eventually of great renown, uh, also talked, I think, about the Christmas pageant and that, that happened and what occurred in that way. I don't
1: remember exactly what the resolution
0: was, but I, well, think...
1: I think what they did what the, the compromise was that the, the is that the Jews would always play play the people who killed Christ. I think that was, <laughs> yeah, right. that was the compromise. <laughs> the,
0: the, maybe they could maybe they could be the the, uh, the you know, the, the people who formed the cross. You know, they could have right. been the, the carpenters were actually making the cross um, <laughs> or throwing garbage. Um, look, the you know, and I remember that you, you mentioned Chabad before. And I remember the Baba one of in his strident more useful days, he actually was fighting for this moment of prayer because he thought that it would mean that there would be an elevation of ideals. Listen,
1: that's the point. So, at a certain point, and it certainly is true today, there is this, there is a, a, a dual assault. And I, and I don't want to use too strident a term on what was traditionally assumed to be the American Jewish position. The American Jewish position was always the Jewish community in America has has been successful and prosperous and has thrived because for the first time, we're in a country that separates. Right. whether that's accurate or not, historically, you can argue, but that was always well, we, we separate. Right. We were judged as individuals, not as members of a religious community. Right. We're in a meritocracy. There's a melting pot, but strict separation. OK. But then you had a dual assault starting when the Orthodox community became uh, more powerful and, 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 and more vocal. Most of it had to do not with what you've mentioned, but that was part of it. Most of it had to do with the Orthodox community and their approach to government approaches the government much more for Jewish interests than for Jewish values. Uh, when you're pushing for Jewish values, you push for separation. When you push for Jewish interests and you have a large network of Jewish schools, and all of a sudden, you know, you you want government funding to help with tuition, all of a sudden you start compromising on separation, where you don't mind government supporting religious institutions, because some of those institutions are yours. So in states like Ohio, there's a voucher system where Jewish kids benefit enormously, Jewish families, I should say, benefit enormously from the fact that they can take those vouchers and go to yeshiva. And and that's helpful in in, in in Ohio is one state like that, uh, where where you're allowed to do that, and Maine is now another state where where a similar program, doesn't work, uh, and, um, and and all of a sudden the traditional Jewish position on strict separation on not a government not supporting at all anything that's any that you know that that that, that is religious all of a sudden is compromised right. because right. we have, have the other one the the, the Rabbit by the way is very interesting on this subject, because you're right. In other words, is it better for Jews when America is Christian or religious, let's say? And obviously, many liberal Jews would say, no, it's terrible. You end up with, you know, evangelicals and, and, you know, people who, but on the other hand, the morality of our current world maybe calls out for a little bit of balancing with religious values and maybe the removal of prayer from the public schools, although that's certainly irreversible today, but maybe prayer in the public schools would enhance a, a greater respect for religious life, which would benefit Jews in some ways. But the traditional American Jewish leadership and community always believe strict separation is one of the things that allows Jews to thrive in North America.
0: Right. And of course, this does touch, as my friend Rabbi Broyd uh, on this platform indicated, and in an article in *Warehouse* uh, that recently was recently published, this has to do with the abortion uh, ruling sure. as well, because we know that there are ish cases where abortion is uh, dictated by halacha that will not necessarily, which, which won't necessarily jive with laws in other states. So I don't want to get into that, but the point is, is though you're right. This is part of a bigger question: Are we better off? Um, and and I, I think the both of us, despite are somewhat liberal uh, leanings, um, maybe you more than me, uh, have seen a uh, denigration of you know, the, what used to be the, the moral norms of our society. And not, it's not just two grumpy old men talking. I think we definitely have seen a normalization of what used By to be. By the way,
1: I, I, I've been grumpy a very long time.
0: Uh, okay. Well, you were a grumpy young man, yes. yes. But 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 the deviancies, and I'll say it you know, openly, the deviancies have become not only accepted, but um, extolled and encouraged to the point that any voice that raises any sort of uh, objection to those deviancies is uh, immediately canceled and considered bigoted and needs to be stamped out uh, as hate speech. Uh, and you know what I'm talking about, anything in the LGBTQ, uh, anything that, 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 that somehow casts a shadow on any of those advancements in that area is all is already is now considered hate speech and might not even be um, protected and I think that's and the two the two issues I think are linked
1: um, you know
0: maybe there isn't a the direct connection but clearly as we've become not only we've become aggressively secular in the United States so these ideas I, I mean look at the frenzy and I, I want to talk about the, the school about the football coach again but the frenzy that was unleashed. By the Supreme Court rulings, um, as much as you want to say that the sides that were, uh, you know, strongly against it represent, uh, you know, enlightenment, but look at the rhetoric, and 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 you can hear how unthinking the hatred is, and you know, again, I think that is was the is the Obavitch right that, you know, it may be keeping this, you know, sort of nod nod, wink wink. Uh, completely sectarian society as much as we know Christmas is a national holiday, as much as we know the Christmas tree is lighted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But maybe that nod, nod, wink, wink is good enough because it at least, as the Rebbe thought, ensures some sort of uh, you know moral balance. Uh, that's- you also understand
1: I me, mean, Chabad is the only Jewish group that I'm aware of that ever was it all concerned with the religious life of non-Jews. In other words, they had all that right. whole campaign for the Noahide a, laws, right? Which is actually infused with the Hide laws, which is something <laughs> completely different. Yeah. I will tell you that that
0: it actually has uh, taken root in a number of small little communities. Mostly, I think, in the American South, but uh, quite interestingly, actually. But let's, let's go back to the school prayer because this is really what you right. wanted, to, wanted to talk about—the the prayer of the of the football coach. Um, I, you know, again, it was basically decided a six three decision. Um, so uh, here, there was was there a, a did you read the dissents? Was there some sort of uh, yeah? Any, I mean, the
1: dissents are. are... You know, the, the sense are in sync with the decisions from the 60s and 70s, which talk about implied pressure to conform with what a leader, meaning the coach and the, his position is doing and 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 how that, you know, even though the game's over, it's still an employee and applies, you know, uh, an embrace of religion, which is inappropriate in a public uh, uh, in a public setting like that. Uh, it's a tough call. But remember, I mean, you know, so listen. Congress I mean, still starts every day with a prayer.
0: <laughs> right. Although they do bring various, I think, right. have you ever been called, even though, I guess you're in Canada, they don't call you anymore. No. To, you know, but I know many of your rabbinic relatives have, have probably invoked.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, great moment in a rabbi's life. Yes, it uh, when he's
0: called to Congress. It's almost like when Marvin Heyer got the Oscar, I think, right?
1: Well, that was, you know, that and Sally Field was the, were the best moments of the Oscars, yes. I thought it was maybe the streaker, you know, uh, who was running by by David Niven. I guess nothing beats Will Smith now, I guess.
0: (laughs) I guess that that is what definitely we'll be talking about that being slapped around. (laughs) Uh,
1: um,
0: So, you you know, clearly, uh, again, looking at this, but looking at it as as another domino, um, you know, I I know that in, in certain corners, people are saying, look, that Trump he was he was nuts. I mean, I I I I uh, read and listened to a little bit of Casey Hutchinson, uh, who was the superstar witness who was appearing on Zoom. Actually, right? She actually, I think she was in some other room.
1: Right? It was some sort of. I Zoom. didn't watch. I just read about it. So, uh, but apparently, she was quite effective as a witness. She's a young kid. She's like twenty four, twenty six. Truth about you know about uh, Trump. Well, it all rings true. Yeah, about Trump wanting to say no. I want
0: to go over there. Where are you yeah. driving me? I mean, like,
1: by, by the way, I do have to say, and it, and, you know, the cause of fairness, the the the, uh, the Secret Service agents she spoke about deny it. And say they say they're willing to test the oath. These know. are guys that will take a bullet for
0: for for Biden. Right. Okay, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust
1: them. No, know. no, I know. I'm just saying. I just you know we should be fair. But <laughs> there's no question. And also, she doesn't claim to have witnessed it. It's, it's a here. I mean, I, I don't know what you call it. Okay, but,
0: a, but 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 okay. But look, it, Trump's craziness was clearly all It clear clearly
1: out. rings true. I mean, yes. whether it's true yeah. or not, it doesn't really matter. All.
0: Yeah, but my point is, wow. Think about this legacy of these justices. I
1: like the image of her wiping the ketchup off the wall after he threw his lunch. You know, I I mean, that was that that I thought was interesting. Okay, Uh, but but
0: my point, though, is, is that I think for many religious people or many people who are pro-life or many people who are are, are Second Amendment um, enthusiasts and now people who want to um, feel that let's bring religion back, let's bring God back in the world. They might despise Trump for his his arrogance, for his gruffness, for his barbarism. Gave, but 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 he, but he gave he gave us these judges, and yeah. and and boom boom boom. Right, this has been you know uh, there's a, you know there there is joy in Mudville.
1: I mean, I, I gotta mean, say, reading the uh, the coverage about the internal strife in the Democratic Party between the younger generation that feels that people like Biden are too loyal to the archaic institutions and won't consider packing the court or whatever. Um, you know, it was quite interesting to read. They, uh, uh, you know, most initially believe that the abortion decision will energize the democratic base. And maybe it won't be such a tsunami of victories for the Republicans in the fall at the end of the Democrats will be energized by this. I don't know. I think most people still vote on the economy and certainly, uh, you can debate how much of it is Biden's fault or not, but the economy certainly tends tends to uh, determine election results. But uh, they think the abortion issue will, will help and energize their voters, and maybe even swing some voters to, to their side. Uh, time will tell. But uh, uh, there's no question: the lasting legacy of Trump is the Supreme Court, right? right. You know, Brian and Bright, and you know these guys—they're they're, you know Kavanaugh, and these—and he had the brains to. Uh, well, at least no, of so, substance. And, not, and
0: substance and of years of life expectancy. Yeah. Amy
1: Amy Coney Bryant, especially. So I think that you know that means that they're going to be. What's also story. fun to watch is how the Democrats, some Democrats, are retroactively criticizing Ruth Bader Ginsburg for not having retired, and you know, and give, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and giving uh, and, and didn't give Obama a chance uh, to a point. Uh, a, a judge uh, early enough, and uh, uh, so there's anger at her, uh, but uh, there's no question. This is this is the most impactful legacy of Trump it will be the Supreme Court, right? So, which, which is very interesting because on one hand,
0: you have these Supreme Court decisions, which whether you agree with them or not, represent. A distinct turn and uh and forces to be reckoned and then on the other hand you have the january 6th hearings where it's right. okay it's more insanity from this man okay so it's 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 a very it's, um you know uh kurt warner was uh there was a film called american underdog uh with zachariah levy uh, a nice jewish guy who's uh uh, he also played Shazam, if you want to remember. I think he was, he was the, uh, the superhero Shazam. But he, uh, clearly a nice chiseled Jewish fellow who, uh, who, plays, who played Warner. And I think maybe there's something, I guess, we can tolerate Warner because he's an underdog, right? Somehow we can secularize. If we can secularize his story, we can somehow use religion as, you know, sort of an element
1: but when well, became... I'll tell you one thing. When Kurt Warner uh, dropped back to pass towards the end of the second quarter in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers, there's no question whose side God was on. I mean, Harrison <laughs> ran it back for, you know, a 100-yard uh, interception return. Uh, you know, I mean, that was one of the greatest plays in the history of, uh, of that. that football. <laughs> okay. And All right. Tugging yeah. along there around the sideline, you know, basically just breaking the plane and scoring a touchdown. Fourteen point swing. I mean, that was you know we all know who God God wants the Steelers to win. I mean, mean, that's we know that. I mean,
0: yes, yes, yes. Okay. Well, you know, (laughs) you you know, uh, you. I I would have to say after this episode that uh, hopefully we'll send something over to the Rooney family, and you (laughs) will be not only uh, brought in to sing the national anthem, which I know you are very happy to do. Uh, I I know Canada Day is coming up. Uh, yes, and, this Friday, right? Yes, yes, July first. So, uh, but I know that you still can somehow hum uh, the lyrics somehow to the national anthem. Maybe they'll bring you in there and 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 to lead somehow the the prayer after
1: the Steelers. I would just like to point out for for our listeners that when I'm watching a football game at home and the and the national anthem comes on, I stand up at attention. <laughs> okay, in the privacy of my own my own room, I stand up because. Some of us still respect the flag.
0: Well, you know, that is definitely a sight to see. We'll try to, you know, maybe you could uh, take a picture of it uh, for <laughs> us. And we, we can make that our icon instead of the old rabbi that we have as our icon for emeritus Rex. <laughs> we can have you in your football jersey. But you know what? Make it only from the waist up, please. <laughs> take care.